another episode of Fourth and Wrong. I am your host, Peyton McDaniel, alongside me tonight, Mr. Sweet Cheeks himself, Jamie Cheeks, the young, the restless, Mitchell Graham. Hello. He's he sounding very, he, he sounded like the restless is kind of getting to him at this point. It's more uh, reckless than anything, but you know, yes, yeah. we're going to change it to the young and the reckless this week. Remind me that for the next show. Um, and then we have the Dean Machine, the Dean of College Football. Hey, yo. The middle schooler's favorite TikTok sensation. Wow. Anyways, week six has come and gone. Halfway through the regular season of college football. Hard to believe. What a crazy six weeks. And we're here to talk about it. We're going to talk about our headlines. We're going to put people on academic probation and the themes list. Because there are a lot of people that are worthy of both this week. Anyway. First, we're going to start with the headlines, and let's start with Jamie. What is your headline for week six of the college football season? So my headline is buckle up. Um, if you just look at what's going to happen this week, we've got two top ten games. We've got one top 15 game, and we've got three more top 25 games. That's awesome. It that is it. going to be – so 12 of the top 25 teams in college football are, uh, are playing each other this week. So we are going to start getting a lot of answers over the next couple of weeks. And I say a couple of weeks because next week, and obviously the rankings will change, but next week there's five top 25 games. So when we get to our pick segment in in, in part two of the show, please just forgive us because there is a lot of things that we don't know yet and we're about to start finding out because this next month of college football, anybody that says definitively that they know who is going to be in the playoff or anything, by the time we get to the middle of November, we're going to have people we thought or teams that we thought were playoff teams that are like outback bowl bound. And then you're going to have teams that maybe at the beginning of the season we were not anticipating being in playoff talk that's still hanging around and 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 showing on the field why they are capable of potentially making the playoffs. So uh, I think it's just going to be an awesome couple of weeks. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it, but that's my headline for this week. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting coming up in the next few weeks. We're, we've got several fun picks this week that could go either way. And uh, just, just a lot going on in the next few weeks of college football. It's going to be very entertaining. And we're going to, like James said, we're going to get a lot of answers coming in the next few weeks. Let's go over to the young and the reckless. Mitchell Graham, what's your headline for week six of the college football oh. All righty. Um, so my headline this week is there's a coach with a real chip on his shoulder. Chip Kelly. <laughs> UCLA looks really good. Like they like not they, their performance against Washington wasn't a one off. DTR, the seventh year or eighth year starter, however long he's been at freaking UCLA. He's been I, I was a freshman in high school when he started at UCLA, it seems. But he, he's there. He's leading this offense with Zach Charbonnet, who's run like freaking what, 200 yards yesterday against a really good Utah front, which I guess I don't know anymore if they're a really good Utah front because Anthony Richardson destroyed them and now UCLA destroyed them. But anyways, we'll get into that later. But I just want to talk about the kind of resurgence of Chip Kelly. The thing in his – he's always been about flash and flair and never been about physicality. I really do think this is the – most physical I've ever seen a Chip Kelly coach team and it's really paying dividends and that team as much as there's like no fans there for a top 15 matchup yesterday they're a good team and they're going to keep winning um they might they're they're on a collision course for USC 
that game's going to be electric. And look, if they're both undefeated, winner of that game might be playoff bound. I know that's jumping ahead, and I know UCLA always has some sort of letdown, but usually it comes a little bit earlier. Like last year we saw UCLA beat, what, LSU um, yep. in like week two, mm-hmm. and then we thought they were all the crap, and they <laughs> lost four or five games. That letdown hasn't happened yet. Now they're in the meat of Pac-12 schedule. I think UCLA could be legitimately dangerous, and I wanted to talk about it today as my headline. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that deserves to be recognized. You've got a lot of teams right now that are undefeated that normally have that letdown by this point in the season, but yet they're still standing. So it's going to it's gonna be very interesting because, uh, you know, you've got Tennessee that's 5-0. and They just absolutely dominated LSU yesterday from start to finish. Um, you've got the UCLA that's – Five and zero, six and zero. I'm not sure. Are they have they had a bye week yet? I can't remember. I don't really. That's how much I pay attention to UCLA. They're undefeated. Bottom line, they're undefeated. Um, Kansas just had their first loss yesterday, which I mean, it was. But they play. They were very competitive in that game. So I mean, you can't take away the fact that Kansas is better than Kansas has been in the last ten years. But I mean, that's not measured by much. Um, but yeah, a lot of teams that are kind of trying to take that next step. And it's going to be interesting in the next few weeks to see if, uh, if, they, if they can manage to do that. Um, now I'm going to go over to the Dean Machine and let him take away his headlines for this week. All right, good to, be, good to be back here on the show, as always. My headline for this week is St. Patty's Day in October. Uh, a little bit of a bounce back for a Notre Dame team that started out the year on, on a real nice little skid there. Uh, coming in the season, number five, a loss against Ohio State, 21-10, very close game. Uh, we thought, well, maybe maybe it's going to be okay. And then, of course, the week two loss against Marshall, paying them all that money. Then number eight, Notre Dame, that kind of fell off. I still believe in Marcus Freeman. Yeah. I think he is a great fit for what they, what they need there at Notre Dame. Um, and then their last three weeks, uh, the last three games, you know, 24-7 win against Cal, uh, 45-32 win against North Carolina, a decent North Carolina team, and then a big win, 28-20 over BYU, uh, top 25 team there. Looking at the remaining schedule for Notre Dame, they have Stanford and UNLV coming up next, so they'll probably be 5-2 and two by that point. Two big matchups back-to-back against two teams wearing orange. Syracuse on the 29th. And then on November 5th, they go against Clemson. Both of those games, not only do I think they're winnable for Notre Dame, but I think Notre Dame will definitely get through one of those. Clemson's looking better than we thought they were. Yeah. They then play Navy and BC in the year against the USC team. I think this Notre Dame team that kind of had everybody on high alert at the beginning of the year could end up being 9-3, and 8-4, and four, yeah. which is not where Notre Dame typically is. But for the start of Marcus Freeman era, considering the rough start he got off to, being the first Notre Dame coach to lose three in a row in their debut, I think it's definitely progress in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it you couldn't it couldn't have been much worse than than the start of the season. They had a really bad start of the season, and now they're uh, now now they're now they're on the way up. And I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. Right. Uh, I do have I do have some friends that are Notre Dame fans. I do like Marcus Freeman though. I, I like what he does. Yeah, I like how he approaches the game. I like how he runs the program. I would like to see them be successful, but I don't want to see them be that successful. 
Right. Plus, Mark, we always we always know it's fun when Notre Dame is at the top of their game and they're one of the ones in the conversation because it home. always makes things more interesting. Right. Having Notre Dame there. So yeah, and Marcus Freeman is definitely more of a players' coach than uh, Brian Kelly. I would believe. I mean, I, I don't see how anybody would want to play for Brian Kelly. Seems like watching paint dry would be more motivating than playing for Brian Kelly. So I don't know. Um, can I? Yeah. Can I interject there? Because I yeah. really think Brian Kelly's getting a really bad rap. What he's what he done it. What he did it every year at Notre Dame is constantly win ten or eleven games, right. nine, ten, eleven games. And just because he isn't walking into the SEC and having immediate success, he's some like terrible head coach. And I'm not saying motiv- he's a coach. You know, I know, but like you're saying, you wouldn't even get up and play for him. Like he's just. I don't. His personality, for me personally, just doesn't. I I don't it, like I don't like how he handled the situation in Notre Dame. Well, yes, right. and I agree with that. I, but like, and, and and to and to me, like even if I were going into a program, like I, I get what you're saying, I 100 percent agree. Right. The fact that he was able to win the way that he was at Notre Dame, something's obviously there, and something's working right for them. But again, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's just me, but if I see that situation, I'm like, eh, dude, kind of pieced out. Well, if we face adversity and he gets, you know, somebody flashes a checkbook his way, I mean, are we going to be meeting at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning? Him pulling out seven o two or whatever it was. Right. Right. It was. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a good football coach. I definitely do. And I mean, LSU. He is cleaning up a mess at LSU right now. LSU, from what I've heard, it was it's a bigger mess than any of us will ever know. Um, just a lot of fires to put out that the previous coach had set. And so he's having to clean a lot of that up. So, I mean, nobody wants to go in and clean up a mess like that. But he had talking about putting out fires. Yeah, yeah, talking about putting out fires. Ain't no fire. You put a crab bowl on the fire and then you will eat it. <laughs> but, um, mm. but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I, I, I'm, his personality doesn't sit well with me, just other things I've heard too. I definitely think he's a good football coach, though. I mean, if you're if you had the opportunity to hire him away from Notre Dame, of course LSU's going to take advantage of it because he's a credible football coach and he's he's a winner. So I, I get why LSU made that move, and I get why they did a checkbook at me because he's Brian Kelly, got a got a good track record. So that side I understand. It's just it, there's just a lot of other stuff I've heard. I don't, and this is all hearsay too. I don't know what all is true. I don't know the guy, but. Um, but either way, it's uh, it's I don't know. It's just I will pers- say, has anybody ever sat and watched paint dry? Because I mean, I did one time, and it wasn't as exciting as it sounds, right? But but it but it really wasn't that awful. Speak for yourself. I mean, uh, I think <laughs> I think I think once you have kids, the idea of just being able to sit there and watch paint dry is kind of I, appealing. I think I'll take espe- it, especially it's quiet. Good- Especially good Sherwin Williams paint. Yeah, right. Um, get something with a nice mat. That was a nice plug. Sponsor us. This is the oldest conversation we've ever had on Fourth and Long. <laughs> we're, we're definitely, definitely hitting the hitting the all time high here. But anyway, <laughs> just wait till we talk about Polly Denton. Oh please. Oh gosh. <laughs> anyway, my headline this week. It's just it's pretty simple. Welcome back, Quinn Ewers. The dude basically lit the world on lit Oklahoma's defense on fire yesterday, which I mean, who hasn't so far? But coming back from an injury like he did against Alabama, I mean, the kid looked good yesterday. And I said it last week: if Quinn Ewers is healthy, 
I think Texas still has a shot to win the Big 12. And, I, I mean, that was about as good as – I mean, he looked as good as he could yesterday. I mean, 49 and nothing against Oklahoma, which, I mean, yes, the defense is terrible. But, I mean, you went 49 so, so I, against Oklahoma. So, I sent it, it in the group chat. Is it is – it, is it Choklahoma? Is it Joklahoma? Or is it Noplahoma? I don't know at this point. It, they, they all sound pretty. Depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Noklahoma yesterday because they put nothing on the board. That's what I. That's what I'll say this week. It's Noklahoma. So, uh, but I mean, here's and but now it's got me thinking. What if if Quinn Ewers was healthy all season? He probably he might be in the Heisman conversation. I don't know. But, I mean, I think they would have won that game against Texas Tech, possibly won that game against Alabama, too. Um, but I, it's, it's very possible they would have. Absolutely. Yeah, possibly they'd be 6-0 and right now. Um, I, but uh, I was very impressed with what I saw when I would flip over every now and then after watching a little bit of the LSU-Tennessee game. But, I mean, he basically made that game very unwatchable for anybody else to go for home and could not respond to it. Anyways, welcome back, Quinn Ewers. Glad you're back. Game college football this year, and uh, I picked Texas to go to the or to win a Big Twelve championship this year. Uh, maybe he will uh, continue to stay healthy and prove me right. Anyway, I'm going to now pass it to Nate for the dean's list and academic probation. All right, dean's list academic probation for this week. I'm actually going to start us off. Uh, I don't have individuals this week. Instead, I have two teams. Uh, first of all, on the Dean's list, I'm going to welcome, and probably for the only time in the next several years, we're going to welcome the Vanderbilt Commodores to the Dean's list. You led 20-17 to 17 against Ole Miss at the half. So yeah. that's basically a win for you. Congratulations, guys. Um, no, in all seriousness, so I know that Vandy did lose that game. But if we look at this Vanderbilt team and what's going on there, yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day, and no, they're not going to compete for the East anytime soon. But maybe this is the direction that Vandy needs to go in in order to at least be, I don't know, what's the word, uh, not the absolute worst thing in the SEC East. Right. Um, so Vanderbilt, for leading a top 25 team at the half, good job. You know, that, that's a modified Dean's list right there. There you go. And uh, my probation for this week, uh, mainly because you guys let me down by not scoring a single point in the second half when you were yeah. and I was the only one on the show who picked you guys to win that game, is the Florida State Seminoles. Yep. yep. You got a kid who's like uh, – NC State's quarterback, uh, what was his name, Leary, Devin Leary, that he he went down. Yes, yeah. And you're up two touchdowns. This should have been the key opportunity for you to put away. Like, dagger in, twist it, NC State, done. You couldn't right. score a point in the second half. And then on the last drive of the game, a boneheaded throw for an interception – to turn the ball over when you're in the red zone. Yes, I know it's college kids. I know it's a game. But come on, Norvell, you've got to put your players in a better position than that. Yep. You, you, you're the head man there. And seriously, I picked you guys. I needed that point. Dadgummit. Why? So, for that, you're on probation. Wow. Jamie, kicking it your way. 
All right, so uh, for my Dean's List this week, I am going to Rocky Top, who went on the road at LSU and absolutely demolished LSU. To say that 40-13 to 13 was not indicative of the final score is an understatement. Now, I know LSU was upset that uh, that, that game was being played at 11 Central, uh, but apparently the team just didn't even show up. So I caught – I didn't catch the very beginning of it, Brian Kelly, some of the coaching decisions he made early on in the game going for it on fourth down ruined all momentum because they were moving yeah. the ball just fine. They had gotten going a little bit. It was the second quarter. Second right? quarter. They, yep. they started rolling a little bit. And it, it I we were, we went to the Georgia game yesterday, so we went to a spot and grabbed a burger and we're just kind of watching. And the fact that the game was 20 to nothing was just absolutely amazing to me that when I got to it, it was already 20 to nothing. But, I mean, they finished it out. Even though, you know, LSU won a little run, uh, Tennessee settled down. Defense played really well. I mean, LSU makes all offense look hard sometimes, so I don't know how great the Tennessee defense is. But that offense, when it gets going, is dangerous. So, Tennessee uh, on, the, on the Dean's list this week. And uh, for probation, I'm going to revisit a, a, a gripe, my old man gripe from a few weeks ago. I, I'm just going to double down on the polls. The polls are so stupid. They're so, they're so reactive. I kind of thought, I mean, as a Georgia fan, it, it, it pissed me off a little bit when they dropped Georgia after winning on the road at Missouri because Missouri's not a great team. But like Kirby said after the game, you go on the road in the conference and you win, that's, that's not easy. So it annoyed me a little bit, but I at least got it. Then for them to drop Alabama after this week's game against Texas A&M that was super competitive with the Heisman Trophy winner not playing, to drop them to three just shows how stupid the polls are. So I understand that it's an accumulation of points, and that's where you're coming up to, and there was a lot of votes for you know the the margin between one and three is very, very short. But to me, we don't do polls on the show until – the end of October, because until you get two thirds through the season, there's really nothing that, you know, just like we're talking about this week. There's so many games that like, yes, we're going to pick them and we think we've thought it through and we we think we know which way it's going to go. But if you come back a week later and it's like, Oh yeah, it didn't go that way at all. Like it's not necessarily shocking. We just don't have enough information yet. So it's, it's just so annoying with the college football playoff in, in place. I hope when they go to the 12 team playoff, the AP poll and the coaches poll just die. Right. I just I don't like let the athletic put something out. Let ESPN put something out. They do power rankings and stuff that they do for all the other sports. But the idea that these polls mean anything at this point in the season, they don't mean anything. And all it does is set people up to expect more than you should. You know, Hey, you were texting me during the Alabama Arkansas game that it's so annoying when you're expected to win by 40 every week. And then if right. you don't, People think you suck, and right. you know, as a, as a Georgia fan, I will say, like, it's yeah, starting to become like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a little bit of a, 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 it's I say a burden, but it's like, look, the team is not complete, right? Like, you don't have to be the best team in the country in right. week five. You just got to beat the team you're playing. You, right. you have time to mature and get better over the season, and these polls just set mm-hmm. us up for a lot of you know just unmet expectations. And look, I'm, go ahead, Mitchell. They're never going to take them away because we w- then we wouldn't get a three versus six matchup right now. Like what? What if you told me Alabama Tennessee yeah, three versus or, or, yeah? But I'm saying I'm just saying hey Alabama Tennessee next week 
or right. hey, right. the number three team versus the number six team are playing this week, and the number six team's at home. I mean, I, it's it, that it's that's what it is. It's a cash grab at the, for the first eight weeks of the season. Yeah, right. That's right. And so it's not going to go away. But I'm not making excuses for how poorly Alabama's offense played yesterday. But I mean. There's a big gap between Bryce Young and Jalen Milrow. We learned that yesterday. The huge gap and talent and everything else. Jalen Milrow cannot throw the ball. I, I could probably have thrown the ball better than Jalen Milrow last night. So um, the only thing I'm going to say about that, not that we're going to go down this road, but why is it that Alabama has a backup quarterback that can't throw the ball at all? Like that is a little bit crazy to me. Like, that, that that is that that's the problem. Like you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know. But for a that, program that's been able to plug and play for a decade, I, that's a I, little weird to me. I thought about that all night last night. I'm like, we have a backup quarterback for Alabama. This guy should be able to at least halfway throw the ball. I mean, he might not be Bryce Young, but the guy should know how to throw the freaking football. Your third string is better than Jalen Milrow. Yeah, that's and that's – I, I text I, – I, I don't know how many people I told last night, put Ty Simpson in the bag on game because I can't take this junk anymore. But he probably hasn't gotten any reps, right? right. Like, that's the problem is, like, he probably hasn't gotten any reps. So, anyway, that was my uh, – that's my probation. Polls suck. I know they're not going anywhere, but I can still complain about it because I'm old. So, right. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's almost like, you know, they, we talk about the, the playoff thing and how – we don't really do anything on the show until, you know, the, the end of October, early November when you know everything. It's almost like – to me it seems like they should just, you know, take a bunch of factors and they should put them into a computer and then they should have a <laughs> bunch of computers that average them all together and then they should come out with a top 25 by that method. Because computers are impartial, right? Computers just strictly – sorry, sorry. That's my BCS mention of the week. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who Western Carolina is playing. I'll figure that out before our next show. So, uh, Hayden, let's go to you. Who's the Dean's list and who's your probation this week? All right. I grabbed about Alabama's offense. I grabbed about Jalen Milrow. I could have grabbed a little bit more about Bill O'Brien, but that's besides the point. I'm going to go – in a game where your offense struggles, somebody's got to step up in this game. Alabama's defense, Pete Golding in particular. I'm going to put – I know I'm going to sound like a homer. Pete Golding. I'm putting him on active or not active probation. The dean's list this week because except for those turnovers, basically Alabama's defense was wiped out in that game last night. I mean, granted, Haynes King is not very good, but Alabama's defense played awesome. really well. Um, <laughs> got put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, um, made a lot of stops, stopped the run, which Texas A&M is really good at. So I think they stopped the run really well. Um, other, like I said, other than those three boneheaded turnovers that uh, turned into points for A&M. Alabama's defense was really good yesterday. Pete Golding, I've taught taught a lot of crap about Pete Golding the last two or three years. And this year, I think he's really earning his money. But my gosh, the dude's hair. The dude's hair got grayer during that game last night, I feel like. Well, he ain't going to have any hair left by next week. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I know next week it's going to be one of those things where I'm probably going to regret putting him on the Dean's list because I'll probably be telling him, what, what are we doing? But, uh, but um, I mean, hey, if somehow I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. If, if I happen to be wrong, I will double down on putting him on the Dean's list. Um, but, uh, but for academic probation, this is a team I've been kind of waiting to put on probation for a little while. And 
Uh, I wanted to give it time because I've been very critical of their head coaching hire in the offseason from the beginning. I'm going to put Virginia Tech finally on academic probation. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia Tech is not very good. And the hire they made hiring Brent Pry, a terrible hire. I am going to say that again. That was a horrible hire. I took a look at, okay, so week one, even though they lost to Old Dominion, I probably could have put them on there then. I decided, you know what, give the guy time. In week two, they won, I forget against who, I think it was Boston College, which, I mean, Boston College is garbage. So that really didn't mean much. And then they beat, who was it they beat? Hold on, let me look at this. No, they beat Old Dominion. Who did they lose to? No, that was Virginia. Sorry. West Virginia. West yes. Virginia got clapped. They got clapped against West Virginia. Then the next week, you get clapped by North Carolina. I mean, who's good? But, I mean, they're not off the charts good. Basically, none of these games have been close that Virginia Tech lost. Um, so, I don't know what's going on there in Blacksburg, but it, it it's not good, and it's going to continue to get worse. Brent Pry, Virginia Tech, welcome to academic probation. Y'all are in a lot of trouble right now. Mm. Love it. All right, Mitchell. All right, man. My, uh, my dean's list is the state of Mississippi. Mississippi yeah. State and Ole yeah. Miss both competing at the top of the SEC West. Mississippi State's 5-1 and one, um, uh, with only loss to LSU. Ole Miss, even though they were trailing to Vanderbilt, they came back in the second half. Jackson Dart, one of their biggest question marks was the pass game, and he threw for over 450 yards yesterday. Um, had a couple turnovers, but they looked really good. Lane Kiffin's got the crowd motivated. Um, and then if you want to look at it, they're beating inflation as well. So you gotta, you gotta, you have to thank Absolutely. the state of Mississippi. Yes, they are. Yes. So right now, look, it's it, it's feeling like another one of those years where. The Mississippi teams are just really good. And as a Georgia fan, Mississippi State scares the crap out of me now. Because they're a y'all, complete y'all football start, team. Right, y'all got to start go right. You got to go to Stark Vegas. Yep. Right after Tennessee. Is that Tennessee at Mississippi State at Kentucky. Ooh. First three weeks of November. Jeez. Both our teams have some gauntlets coming up in the next might few be, weeks. Uh, <coughs> no, I'm not going to say that. We might, we might all be going to therapy in a few weeks. Yeah, um. <laughs> My probation, I won't even – I won't I, – you kind of alluded to him already. I put Jalen Milrow on probation. Um, right when they put a spy on him, he couldn't do anything. For the first half, I don't understand why A&M didn't put a spy on him. There was a couple plays where he took off right up the middle and got like 40 yards. Um, he – I mean, he's obviously what? He runs like a 4-4-40. He's a great athlete. But his even his throwing motion is awkward. He made one good throw to Law too. Other than that, he was should have been picked off first play of the second half. Um, that ga- the game would have completely changed at that point if they make that interception. Almost picked off on the goal line late in the fourth quarter as well. There was a lot of things that went into that game. Obviously, they didn't get points because I mean I could throw Reichert on there as well for missing two missing two field goals. But I mean. Um, Milrow just didn't put up the performance you wanted from him in a big game like that he essentially gifted Texas A&M a close game Um, I do agree if Bryce Young was in there it wouldn't have been a no contest but I also do agree that if Max Johnson was the quarterback of that same game A&M might have won because if you look at the other side Haynes King could be put on probation as, as well 
Why do you run 15 yards back before every throw? <laughs> Why do you run 15 yards backwards and throw off your back foot? Will Anderson might be the answer to that question. I mean, even when he was in the pocket. I know. I, I, you're not wrong. His first thing to do was like, all right, hold on. Let me give myself some time. I'll run back Holy 15 God. yards. Yeah, let me like turn me, around and just – The old 12-step drop. So stupid. I, but Haynes King has the <clears throat> ugliest throwing motion okay. I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay, it, yes. I it, will, yeah. It feels like it's like three different pieces. It's like a – it's, it's like a, It's like um, like Lonzo Ball's old jump shot, if you know yes. what I'm talking about. Um, yes. it, I mean, it worked kind of, but mm, you might work. need some tweaking. I mean, Lonzo switched his jump shot, and now he's shooting 43% from three. Um, but this is not a basketball show. Anyways, God. I, I, look, I, I'm not going to dwell on it much because I'm not one for moral victories. But I, I – I was happy A&M didn't get blown out after how confident I was over that pick and how they made it competitive. And if you didn't run a, the worst play call in history on the one-yard line, might have won the game. They didn't win the game. They're 3-3. Three and three. How do you not give the ball to A-Chain? Like, how do you not? Am I the only person that was sitting there thinking, you have a bad quarterback and a freshman that has played out of his mind, turn around and give the ball to the best player on your team. They're good. They were rushing so far upfield immediately and they were all over Haynes King on that last play a little draw and he probably walks in he probably walks in and they win again again I guess that goes back to a conversation that we've had in the past when we've talked about these coaching changes you got coordinators that are out coordinating themselves yes yes and instead instead of doing the effective thing and doing what's maybe the right decision you you, they get in their own mind and try to out coordinate themselves they were on the right hash just do a toss sweep left to A-Chain and just go go for the pylon, the far pylon, mm-hmm. and just see if you can outrun everybody. I mean, he's fast as all get out. There's so many things to do other than throw a low percentage bullet. Even if the ball was caught, he was coming back to the field to play. There's no way he's in the end zone. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. Good there. Um, I was going to say before I before I kick it back to you, Western Carolina has Furman this weekend. Ooh. Oh, oh. So. oh! I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> hey, go Catamounts, baby! Go Catamounts. <laughs> Which one of Hayden, the Catamounts? I'm kicking it back to you. Catamounts yeah. versus Paladins. That's a great, great matchup. That oh yeah, that's a must be TV. Anyway, speaking of must be TV. Anyway, thank you guys. That for those that are going to tune in, to those that I have been tuning in so far this season, it's been a fun season so far, and we can't wait as the season goes on. Like this, or follow us on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, TikTok, anyone except James. James is not tickle talk. Um, working on it though, we're working on it. Uh, follow us on all social media outlets, and you can also get merchandise at theblackbearcreative.com. I'm we got the merch, y'all! Another episode of Fourth and Wrong. 